Hello, and welcome to the Breaking Up With Anxiety podcast. I am your host, the anxiety nutritionist, gut and hormonal health expert, yoga and meditation teacher, and cat mom, Taylor Jandro. And this podcast is designed to show you how to relieve and resolve your chronic anxiety through the powerful combination of food, lifestyle changes, targeted supplementation, not throwing spaghetti at the wall supplementation, crossing our fingers and hoping it works supplementation, gut and hormonal health optimization, nervous system regulation, yoga, meditation, mindset, lifestyle coaching, and so much more. And today is another Ask Me Anything episode. I'm actually increasing these episodes to once a month, which is so exciting. So starting today with this episode, once a month on the Breaking Up With Anxiety podcast is an Ask Me Anything episode, meaning you can ask me anything. All you need to do is submit your question or questions with as much context as possible in the form linked in the show notes of this episode. These questions will be answered anonymously, but please do provide your email address as requested on the form so my amazing podcast manager can email you to let you know when your question has been answered. I'm hoping to answer two to four questions every AMA because you will see that I give a lot of background and context to your answers so that I can provide you with as much support as possible. Therefore, I don't have time to answer a bunch and a bunch and a bunch of questions. But don't worry. If your question isn't answered on this episode, it, it's on the list. It has not been forgotten about, and it will be answered in future Ask Me Anything episodes. Okay, let's dive in. Question number one. I would like to stop the racing of my heart. That I procrastinate, find other things to do rather than what I know I should be doing. Why do I feel anxious about reaching out to people? I'm going to reiterate how I'm interpreting this question and then give my answer. A symptom that is really bothering you is your racing heart. And when you're experiencing this symptom of a racing heart, you procrastinate and find other things to do rather than what you know you should be doing. So this is how I'm interpreting the question. And so I'm going to answer this part first. This is where working with a holistic practitioner who really understands symptomatology and can do a complete and proper intake with you would be extremely helpful because if you can release the symptom of your racing heart, which that's all that that is, it's a symptom. It's a, even though I know it's super scary because I used to have that as well. At the end of the day, it's a symptom. It's a message from your body that something needs attention. Then you would procrastinate less and be more productive. So here are some common explanations and, and root cause explanations really for the symptom of racing heart. Now, I say root cause, but there are always multiple root causes behind a symptom. A mentor of mine calls them um, like causative factors. She really doesn't like to use the term root cause, um, even though, yes, it is semantics, but a lot of people kind of hear root cause and they think like, oh, there's just one thing, or maybe there's just a few things. But that mentality of thinking there's one, only one or two things is really what's kind of keeping us stuck, um, stuck with in this loop of trying all the things for anxiety and panic and not really getting anywhere or stuck in our kind of health goals because it, there's always multiple root causes. So it's just really important to understand that. But here's some examples. Racing heart could be from a number of things like what's going on with your thyroid and your thyroid hormones. Um, what's going on with the detox and drainage 
function within the body, within the digestive tract. Anytime you hear me say gut health, this includes detox and drainage since key digestive organs are part of that detox and drainage funnel, your body's detox and drainage funnel. Um, Do you have stealth pathogens? Do you drink too much caffeine? Are you a smoker? Um, Do you have vitamin and mineral deficiencies such as calcium, magnesium, iodine, B vitamins? All of the all of these things can play a role in a race having the symptom of a racing heart. Now, stealth pathogens is an umbrella term for things like bacteria imbalances within the gut. So, candida is an example of that, um, or SIBO or gut pathogens like parasites. Stealth pathogens can also be mycotoxins from mold exposures, um, heavy metals that are trapped in the body, and viruses that aren't being cleared effectively due to blocked drainage and detox pathways. So for the lovely woman who asked this question, and for anyone else listening, all of your symptoms always have something to do with gut health. And to be very clear, when I say gut health, that doesn't just mean your stomach, you know, your small intestine, your liver. It also means, as I've mentioned multiple times now, and I'll probably say again and again and again on this podcast, it also means what is going on with the detox and drainage organs and pathways. So from that list of potential root causes that I just gave you, I would start to investigate those piece by piece. If you would like support doing that, I have a workshop bundle called the Complete Gut Health Bundle. I will link it in the show notes. And that covers everything you need to know about how to reprogram your gut and how to support detox and drainage. So there's two workshops in the workshop bundle. The first one, how to reprogram your gut. This is the one I would recommend you take first. It'll walk you through the four digestive imbalances that create anxiety and how to identify which ones are creating your anxiety. So I go through all the symptoms of those imbalances to help you identify, is this one of your root causes? Is this one of your causative factors contributing to your symptoms? And then from there, I give specific dietary lifestyle and supplement suggestions on how to rebalance the body. And then the second workshop in the Complete Gut Health Bundle, the second workshop is called How to Eliminate Common Gut Pathogens that Create Anxiety. And this one deep dives into how to know if you have candida, SIBO, parasites, or H. pylori, and then how to eliminate those. And then this workshop is going to cover everything you need to know about supporting detox and drainage pathways because you cannot eliminate pathogens without doing that step first and throughout an entire elimination protocol. And this is something I see missed like time and time again when I have, when I work with women who've been working with other practitioners, like this crucial step of really opening up the doors of the body is not happening. So you'll get the exact supplement protocols I use with clients. The women who take these workshops and follow the steps outlined, they get amazing results. So you can for sure do a lot of this on your own with the way that I've specifically designed my workshops. They teach you how to read the language of your body, aka symptoms, and how to build your own supplement lifestyle and dietary protocols based on the information that your body is providing you. If you would rather work with me privately, you can check out the Anxiety Detox Sessions, which is a six-call package, and it includes a test that's looking for stealth pathogens, so bacteria, mold, viruses, chemicals, metals, parasites, and then from there, I could give you a personalized supplement, lifestyle, and dietary protocol based on your test results, because a protocol 
is never just about supplements. It's always about dietary and lifestyle factors as well and tweaks and changes. So there's a few options here, but the main takeaway is whether you work with me or another practitioner or you just continue this investigation by yourself, you need to investigate your thyroid, detox and drainage funnel, potential digestive imbalances, stealth pathogens, and vitamin and mineral deficiencies. Now, for your second question, why do you feel anxious reaching out to people? I'm not sure. There could be a bunch of reasons for this. And a therapist would be the best person to unpack all of that with. Do you feel like a nuisance or a burden? And is that what is creating your anxiety? Do you feel like you don't want to bother people so you're apprehensive to reach out? What specific situations around reaching out with people make you anxious? Is it when reaching out to ask for help or is it reaching out just all the time, like even just to say hello or to catch up? Uh, you know, what are what are you afraid of? Are you afraid of rejection? Do you perhaps need to work on improving self-esteem and, and self-worth? Um, do you struggle being vulnerable and sharing personal things? If so, why is that? Uh, or is it because you think you won't understand what you are going through and that maybe people won't have the right answers, which which happens all the time. The people we are closest to, sometimes they don't know what to say or they don't know how to help us through these incredibly difficult times that we're going through with our mental health. So these are just some of the questions I would personally ask myself if I found myself struggling to reach out and ask for support. Now, to be very clear, I'm not a therapist. I've been in therapy <laughs> since 2011 I read a lot, a lot, a lot, a lot of books on psychology, mindset, things like this. But if a client asked me this question, I would encourage them to work with a therapist or a counselor on this because it's not within my scope of practice. I am a nutritionist. Yes, I help women with anxiety and panic, but from my one kind of angle, which is to help them un understand what their body is trying to tell them through the language of symptoms, specifically what inside the body needs to be addressed, and then to help them address that. So, you know, diet, gut health, hormonal health, lifestyle, yoga, meditation, things like that. This is me. That's my ball house. That's my ball house, wheelhouse. That's, that's what I do. But there is you know, some things that I can't support people with because I'm, I'm not a therapist. So what I can say is that I've had so many women come into uh, the Breaking Up With Anxiety group coaching program with social anxiety or, you know, driving anxiety or health anxiety. And I've never given them any specific exercises or whatever to, you know, specifically target those triggers because again, not a therapist, so not in my scope of practice. But by addressing the body's the body-based imbalances that are keeping neurotransmitter production low, for example, or stress hormones sky high, or the nervous system stuck in fight or flight, all of a sudden these women are noticing, you know, they don't have social anxiety anymore. They can drive again without feeling anxious, or their health anxiety goes away. Because we have released whatever was causing the symptom of anxiety to stay chronic. I have a very unpopular opinion, let's say, uh, about health anxiety. And my opinion is that a lot less people would be diagnosed with health anxiety 
if they weren't constantly told their symptoms were all in, you know, their symptoms are all in their head. If they weren't constantly told their test results are normal and nothing is wrong with them. When in fact, if you take that blood work that your doctor is saying is fine and normal and you gave it to me and I ran it through functional lab ranges, which are very different than medical lab ranges, you would actually see that no, not everything is fine. There are actually very real explanations for your very real symptoms that are not in your head, but are happening because the body is not functioning optimally. And when you work to bring those blood work markers back into functional range, all of those symptoms disappear. And this is something that I have seen time and time and time again in practice. But uh, it's a conversation for another time. Uh, I feel very strongly about this and I could go on and on and on. So I think I'll dedicate kind of like a whole episode to it. But what I wanted to say to wrap up this question is anxiety is an expression of the connection between your body and your mind. Okay. It's an expression of the interplay between the physical, biological, and chemical imbalances within the body and the mental, emotional, and psychological aspects of your mind and life which means a true anxiety elimination protocol needs to take all of this into consideration. So thank you so much for asking this question because I really think it highlights so beautifully a specific situation where both the mind and the body approach is needed. Like we need to both look at what's going on in the mind and what's going on in the body. So figure out your physical, biological, and chemical imbalances target those to stop your racing heart, which will then have a ripple effect in so many areas of your life, you know, not just with procrastination. And then you also have to address the mental, emotional, and psychological aspects when it comes to the anxiety around reaching out with people, which is something that a therapist um, can help you with. It's not, you know, one or the other. It's not me or a therapist. It's not what I do or a therapist. It's it's usually both. Okay, question number two. I'm not sure if you can help. I used to be a great sleeper, but we lost our dog and it really affected me. I have now gotten over the loss, learned to live without Maya, our dog. The three months I never slept, so now it's a pattern I'm in. Would looking at my gut help this? Yes, I've had counseling. I paid for one-to-one private sessions, but unfortunately I hurt my back, uh, which resulted in sciatica, which I'm on medication for. I'm on week four. As soon as I'm able to go back to my counselor, I will go back to her. I am vegetarian and eat all the wrong foods. Too much pizza and pasta. No health issues. I'm taking B12 and iron as I lack these. I'm 42 years old. Do you think I should watch what I eat for one week to see improvements? Can you recommend any good supplements or vitamins? First, I am so sorry for the loss of your fur baby. I have lost two fur babies so far in this life, Um, two dogs, and it was incredibly painful they're a part of the family, right? You have lost a part of your family, a member of your pack. Um, and I know it's been a while, it's been a few months at least, and, and you said you've moved through it, but I just wanted to send you lots of love because I know, I know how painful it is. Anybody listening who has fur babies 
and has ever lost one, they know like how incredibly painful it is. So now, after going through a period of immense grief, your sleep has become impacted. This happens. So helping people fall asleep and stay asleep happens to not only be a specialty of mine, but something I'm super passionate about because of my own struggles with sleep for four years. I couldn't sleep for almost four years without taking Ativan. So you mentioned your issue is that you are panicking about not being able to sleep and it's consuming you. I totally get that. You're looking at the clock and you're just like, oh my gosh, five hours, four hours, three hours. Bah, fuck, I have to get up now, right? But what I'm seeing as the real issue is why can't you fall asleep and stay asleep? That's really the issue. And I have a lot to say about this. So without having done an intake with you, which I highly suggest, uh, you know, you work with someone who can assess the body-based root causes of why you can't fall asleep or stay asleep. Here are some common explanations. And I'm not saying that you have all of these, although you might have a lot of these. Um, I don't know because I haven't done an intake, so it's impossible for me to say. But these are the kind of most common explanations for why someone can't fall asleep or stay asleep. So let's stay with Let's start with why someone can't fall asleep. Uh, Mitochondrial dysfunction, an overactive thyroid, uh, parasites, all the, you know, stealth stealth pathogens, again, like mercury toxicity, mycotoxins, parasites, not eating enough protein, too much drinking too much caffeine or eating too much caffeine, like there's caffeine in chocolate, Um, nutrient deficiencies, so uh, calcium deficiency, magnesium deficiency, um, vitamin D deficiency, B vitamin deficiencies, uh, B3 and B5 especially, a inflammation, uh, hormonal imbalances, and then from, this is all body-based perspective, and then there is a lifestyle component as well where are you actually prioritizing your sleep? Are you practicing sleep hygiene? Are you sleeping in a pitch black room? Are you giving yourself a wind down window? Um, You might be doing all of these things. So um those are examples of why people might struggle to fall asleep. And if you aren't prioritizing sleep or you're not getting off all electronics and winding down for about 90 minutes before bed, that can help a lot. But if there are body-based imbalances at play, that is only going to get you so far. But it is a piece of the puzzle. Now let's look at explanations for why you can't stay asleep. A lot of these are going to overlap. So mitochondrial dysfunction, again, Drainage dysfunction, so detox and drainage. Stealth pathogens, parasites, heavy metal toxicity, mycotoxins, too much caffeine again. Nutrient deficiencies again, magnesium, uh, zinc, B vitamins as well. Adrenal, something's going on with the adrenals. Adrenal dysfunction, that one's huge. Uh, An underactive thyroid or an overactive thyroid. Inflammation again, blood sugar imbalances, hormonal imbalances, and not prioritizing sleep and really looking at your sleep hygiene. So one of the most common questions I get is, you know, what can I help, what can I take to help me sleep? And my answer is always, well, I don't know. It depends on why you can't sleep. If there are parasites or mycotoxins, heavy metals, Toxicity, inflammation, for example, if any of that is at play, melatonin or CBD or even magnesium, it's really not going to do that much in terms of helping you fall asleep or stay asleep. Now, there are some really amazing natural sleep remedies. 
Um, to name a few that I really like, I like Pasconal Drops by Pasco, Valeri Calm by St. Francis. That's like a tincture, so it's drops as well. Magnesium, you know, can be very helpful. AOR, Ortho Sleep. So all of these can be found in my supplement shops linked below in the show notes. And while these, you know, may or may not help, they are only meant to be used as symptomatic support while you work to address the root causes influencing why you cannot sleep and stay asleep. Because those are symptoms. Not being able to fall asleep and not being able to stay asleep, those are symptoms of body-based imbalances that's going on. Now, grief and trauma impacts the body on a physiological level. And so even though your sleep issues seemed to start after losing your precious fur baby, that doesn't mean that body-based imbalances aren't at play. And this is where people get stuck is there's like this one specific thing that kind of seemed to trigger and start all their symptoms. So for you, the the loss of, of Maya. Um, and so they go to therapy and they think the only issue is the loss. And then they're going around and around and around in a circles trying to work through this in therapy, but they're still struggling to sleep, for example. And I'm not bashing therapy. I love therapy. I think that's amazing that you're going back. I'm a big, big, big fan. I've been in it since 2011. But it's not going to get you very far if you also have hormonal imbalances, if you aren't eating enough protein, if you have nutrient deficiencies, if parasites or other self-pathogens are involved, if there's inflammation, right? All the other things I mentioned earlier, you want to explore all of those, leave no stone unturned. Imagine your body is one of those buckets that little kids fill up with sand at the beach, So over the course of your life, you're picking up toxins, so scoops and sand in, in your metaphorical bucket, stressors, more stand. You go through periods of grief or or experience these heartbreaking losses, more sand, more sand. Maybe there's trauma, more sand. Then most people have digestive imbalances because it's not common knowledge on how to properly support the body. We're not taught this. Um, So unless we go actively looking, searching for it, which you're all listening to this podcast, so don't worry, you will learn. (laughs) But all the years that you didn't know these things, more sand, more sand, more sand. Um, And then let's add in some not so great dietary habits because you mentioned that more big scoops of sand. And then at some point, the bucket's full. Like the sandcastle bucket is full. You cannot put any more sand in it. I mean, you can, but it's just going to continue to overflow. There's literally no more room in the bucket, right? It's at capacity. So this is happening inside your body, where over time, your bucket becomes full. And the body is going to say no more. And it's going to start sending you very uncomfortable messages to try and get your attention in the form of symptoms. You now have to empty the bucket. And working with a practitioner who truly understands this is going to be the fastest way to bring your body back into homeostasis, which means balance. Uh, Dr. Esther Sternberg, she's a professor of medicine, I think at the University of Arizona. And she has this quote that I saw in a book somewhere forever ago, and I have it in the notes app in my phone because I just love it. And she says, healing is a verb. The body is constantly repairing itself. That's what life is. You know, a rock just sits there and eventually gets into sand or mud or something as the elements affect it. 
but a living being is constantly repairing itself against all of the different insults at a very molecular level, at a cellular level, at an emotional level. So disease happens when the repair process is not keeping up with the damage process. I could not agree with this more. And it's not just disease. Although if you take the word disease, it's dis-ease, D-I-S dash E-A-S-E, dis-ease, out of balance. The the body is in dis-ease. But anyway, (laughs) that's just me going on a tangent on language and dissecting language. I find language fascinating. But anyway, we're not just talking about disease here. We're talking about symptoms like anxiety, like not being able to stay asleep, not being able to fall asleep. So now your bucket's full and perhaps the the loss of your precious fur baby was the last scoop in the bucket. And finally, the body said, no, enough is enough. I I need some help. So how do we help? Um, One of the first things that I'm always looking at is what's going on with gut health? What's going on with detox and drainage? So are you having one to three bowel movements a day? We want to look at lymphatic drainage. We want to look at supporting the liver and bile support, supporting the lungs, supporting the kidneys, supporting mitochondria, so supporting cellular health, uh, encouraging sweating. These are all the detox and drainage pathways that need to be supported so that you can clear out toxins and empty the bucket. The bucket is not getting empty if your detox pathways, these are the doors of the body. So if the doors of the body are not open, and flowing nicely, things are getting stuck. So supporting this, yes, is taking supplements, but it's also about making the dietary and lifestyle changes, like really returning to nature. We've come so far away from that. Getting outside every day, getting sunlight in your eyes every day, working on stress management, learning how to process our emotions um, and not just emotionally bypass them, getting support from professionals, um, whether that's a a professional like me, like a a holistic health professional or a therapist or somebody who, uh, or a counselor or somebody who has training in trauma, if there's trauma, um, getting outside daily. I think I said that moving your body daily, drinking half your body weight in ounces of water, etc. So there's a quote I love and I always come back to, um, it's religious. I don't subscribe to any one religion, but the quote is God needs no help, just no interference. And I love that so much because the body is no different. In her factory setting, in your body's factory setting, she needs no help, just no interference. And the problem is we're constantly interfering with her natural processes, messing up the factory setting, creating imbalances. We interfere with the production of stomach acid by not drinking enough water eating a diet higher in dairy products and refined and processed food. When stomach acid is decreased, this is go on this is going to go on to impact our protein digestion, our neurotransmitter production, our hormone balance and this is going to impact the absorption of key anti-anxiety fighting minerals and minerals that we need to help us stay asleep because our sleep is controlled by our hormones. So we need to think about supporting our hormones if we're thinking about supporting our sleep. So things like calcium, magnesium, iron, potassium, zinc, we're not absorbing these minerals if our stomach acid is low. And then this is also going to set the stage for bacteria or parasitic parasitic overgrowth, because if they're not neutralized in the stomach, they end up in our gut microbiome. 
We interfere with our hormonal balance in so many ways as well, especially as women. When we eat less than 1600 calories a day, when we overconsume gluten, when we don't eat enough protein, fiber, and fat, when we don't get a minimum of seven hours of sleep, when we overexercise or exercise against our hormones. Also, we're exposed to daily, we're exposed daily to man-made chemicals like xenoestrogens, which hella interfere with our hormones. And remember, our hormones control our sleep. Xenoestrogens are found in pesticides, herbicides, tap water, receipts, air fresheners, laundry products, cosmetics, personal care products, toys, home furnishings even. And when these xenoestrogens enter the body, they bind to the receptors that are meant for our real hormones. And when this happens, the normal signaling fails and the body doesn't respond properly. And this is going to interfere with the natural hormone production. And this is going to interfere with sleep. This is going to create anxiety and keep it chronic. So now the body needs help. But the help that the body needs is just removing what's interfering with the natural process. There is no medication on earth that can beat your body in her factory setting. So you mentioned you were vegetarian and don't eat that well. So right there, I can for sure say that you aren't eating enough protein and you will have nutrient deficiencies if your diet has a lot of gluten, dairy, sugar, corn, and soy. These, the, the top five mood killers, um, I call them, they drive inflammation and irritate the lining of the small intestine. They decrease stomach acid. They impact liver function. They feed our um, not beneficial gut bugs, our, our quote unquote bad gut bugs. The overconsumption of sugar and refined carbs depletes the body of magnesium, B vitamins, and zinc. Uh, it's also going to impact opioid receptors in the brain creating addictive tendencies and mood disturbances. It's why it's so hard to give up gluten and dairy because we're like literally addicted to them, addicted to it. Um, the overconsumption. So I'm really trying to stress the overconsumption. I'm not saying you can never, ever, ever have these things. I mean, everybody's different. If there is thyroid impairment or a thyroid disorder, then no, you cannot have any gluten. Um, but in general, I do believe in moderation. I do believe in a balanced diet. I believe there's food for nutrition and there's food for pleasure. And I believe that a balanced diet and lifestyle allows for both. So it really what I'm talking about is the overconsumption of these things. Um, it's going to create blood sugar imbalances, which creates a massive hormonal imbalance with our stress hormones, our sex hormones. And this is going to make it very difficult to fall asleep and stay asleep. Soy also has a high phytate concentration. So that's a component of the plant that blocks nutrient absorption, which could create nutrient deficiencies. And, and corn, especially if it's not organic or non-GMO, um, there are different types of corn. So there's like a, a endotoxin corn, like B, BT endotoxin corn, and then Roundup Ready. And these are neurotoxins, hormone disruptors, and basically these like gut wall destroying proteins. So yes, I very much think paying attention to your diet will help and it needs to be longer than one week. You actually might experience a detox reaction from removing sugar and gluten. When people drastically reduce their sugar intake, they can experience heightened cravings, mood changes, uh, headaches, and this could last a few days. It can also last up to a few weeks. Uh, I've also had clients report 
dizziness, nausea, um, extreme hunger when they suddenly go from eating a lot of gluten to massively reducing it or, or even being gluten free for some of them. Uh, this is why one week is really not enough time to see improvements because in addition to reducing gluten, dairy, sugar, corn, and soy, you want to also increase protein to a minimum 90 grams of protein a day. You want to increase fiber to a minimum of 25 grams a day and drink half your body weight in ounces of water. Uh, and you will likely need to give your body time to adjust to removing all the pizza, the pasta, the cheese, the gluten, etc. So you should be giving yourself at least three months on dietary changes, not a week. I would recommend starting with my how to eat so that your anxiety stays far, far away workshop linked in the show notes, because it sounds like making dietary changes is going to be a game changer for you for you. And then I would look into what your specific digestive balances are through my how to reprogram your gut workshop. Or you could join Breaking Up With Anxiety for some more customized support. Uh, All these links will be in the show notes. And finally, just to circle back on your question, if I have any gut supplements or vitamins to recommend, no, because I don't know what your specific body-based imbalances are. And as I mentioned in the intro of this episode, supplementation needs to be targeted, not, you know, just throwing spaghetti at the wall and crossing our fingers and hoping it works kind of supplementation. Uh, So the only supplements I can recommend at this point are the sleep aid ones that I mentioned earlier, but those are going to work best if you are using them in conjunction with making the dietary changes and figuring out what digestive imbalances you have either on your own. You could do this with a practitioner. You could do this through like me or or, or another practitioner. You can do this through my workshops or through breaking up with anxiety. I was actually talking to somebody in my DMs not that long ago who removed gluten for three months. And she was saying she really felt no different, like in terms of her anxiety and her panic. Um, So she was kind of just thinking like, was it even worth it to remove the gluten? And my follow-up question was, okay, great. That's amazing that you've removed gluten for for three months, but what else have you done? Uh, Paige and I talked about this in episode eight. If you haven't listened to that, go back and check it out. But we talked about how there isn't one thing that is the answer. The answer is the accumulation of all the foundational things. So don't pull the plug just because one or two changes you made didn't give you the results you're looking for. The reality is there are just more steps and more changes to be made. This is where having a community that you can lean on is such a powerful part of this healing journey, for lack of a better word, because in the beginning, it feels like it's not working before it starts working. From my own personal experience and from what I see in practice, working with the women inside the Breaking Up With Anxiety group coaching program, it takes two to four weeks of making dietary changes before you start to experience results. At four weeks on average, before there's that kind of first big shift where you're like, oh, this is working. But within those first four weeks, there's going to be a lot of doubt, stress, anxiety, because you're almost anxiously awaiting these changes to happen. And of course, at the same time, your head, aka anxiety, is telling you this isn't going to work. This is a waste of your money. This is a waste of your time. You may as well give up. You're never going to get better. This might work for other people, but it's not going to work for you. You know, all those little inner critic things, those things those we try to like tell ourselves or our anxious brain is telling ourselves. 
So it's like this frustrating catch 22 because you need proof. You want proof to keep going, but you need to stick with the changes you're making long enough to see the results. And you need to battle through the mental game of not seeing the results and anxiety basically telling you this isn't going to work. So I cannot tell you how many messages that I've had within those first few weeks, like how many this isn't working messages I get within those first four weeks. And then they get over the hump and then it's like, oh, this is actually working. (laughs) It's the hardest part because you need to give the body more time, especially with sleep. It takes longer to get sleep back on track. The waiting to see the fruits of your labor is the part where you will need the most support and accountability because you have no choice but to wait until one day out of nowhere, you know, you or seemingly out of nowhere, but not out of nowhere because you've been doing the work, you start to sleep better. Your thoughts aren't as cyclical. Your mind isn't racing as much. You go days without a panic attack or days without anxiety and you start to feel lighter. It's all coming. Okay. Nothing is happening overnight. Even with, with the woman that I was talking to who, who removed the gluten for three months and, and she still was like, ah, I still, I'm not really feeling the way I want to feel. The gluten was one of the steps out of many steps, right? So we have to implement many things kind of at the same time. There is, and this is one of the reasons that I love group coaching. The level of support and accountability is, you know, next level People who have walked the same path as you, who are trying to make the same changes, who have similar struggles, they can cheer you on and tell you to keep going because now they're on the other side, sleeping like baby angels or whatever your goal is. So meet yourself where you are. Start with the how to eat so that your anxiety stays far, far away workshop, and then move on to the how to reprogram your gut workshop or Uh, If you feel like you would like uh, more support and accountability, then uh, check out the Breaking Up With Anxiety group coaching program. Uh, Or if uh, you don't want to do any of those things, then I just really encourage you to dive deep into mitochondrial dysfunction, drainage dysfunction, parasites, heavy metals, mycotoxins, um, nutrient deficiencies, your thyroid health, inflammation, blood sugar imbalances, dietary changes like eating more protein, reducing the gluten, dairy, corn, and soy, all the things we talked about. um, I really encourage you to look deeply into all of those areas because those are the root cause explanations for why you cannot stay asleep or, or why people cannot stay asleep or, 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 or fall asleep. Okay, now our third and final question for this week's, ask, or this month, month's Ask Me Anything episode. Can MCT oil cause anxiety if you're prone to nervousness and are sensitive? So uh, according to Google, this is a possibility. Some people have reported it, I guess. I have personally yet to see this in practice, but that doesn't mean it's not possible. Uh, You have to be really careful when you're Googling things because there's just so much nuance and context that is missing. How much MCT oil did these people take? Did it aggravate them because they had digestive imbalances? What was going on with their hormones, their nervous system? Um, I think maybe one of the reasons I haven't seen this in practice is because I really recommend that um, 
everyone goes really low and slow. So if they do want to bring in MCT oil, because let's say they're trying to do some cyclical intermittent fasting uh, and they want to do a high fat beverage. And so they want to do MCT oil. Then I always encourage them to take it really low and slow because if you take too much at once, it will cause digestive upset and aggravate digestive imbalances, which are already there and and we don't want that. So my recommendation is to start with one teaspoon and to work your way up slowly to one tablespoon a day max. So you might be at one teaspoon for a week or two and then you increase to two, two teaspoons for a few weeks and then three teaspoons is a tablespoon. You'll have to test it out on yourself and see how you react to it, but I'm more interested in why you are prone to nervousness and sensitivity. The nervous system and the hormonal system or your nervous system and endocrine system, so hormonal system, they're clearly activated here and on high alert, but why? Are you not eating enough protein? Are you eating too much sugar? I don't think there's an issue of consuming too much caffeine based on your question, but if you do consume caffeine, or a lot of caffeine, that's something to look at. Uh, does your body not have optimal levels of calcium, magnesium, vitamin D, B12? Is there heavy metal toxicity? What's going on with your thyroid hormones? Is your blood sugar imbalanced? Uh, are there high levels of inflammation in your body? Your adrenals definitely need support. Uh, do you have stealth pathogens like parasites or bacteria imbalances or mycotoxins. So these are all questions that I would want to know that that I would be asking and looking into. My suspicions is yes, that a lot of this stuff is going on because all of this is going to keep your hormones and your nervous system dysregulated. So you know, have MCT oil, don't have MCT oil. There's a bigger question at play here then should I have MCT oil or not? And that's addressing the root cause imbalances that make you prone to nervousness and sensitive to supplements or, you know, dietary kind of changes or whatever the case may be. If you want to try MCT oil and it doesn't bother you, great. But if it does, the problem isn't the MCT oil. You want to avoid it for sure because you don't want it triggering any unwanted symptoms, but the MCT oil isn't to blame. It's not the problem. The problem is the nervousness and sensitivity. Why is that happening? For which there are lots of root cause solutions, as I have mentioned. that is a wrap. Thank you so much for listening to today's episode. I have one quick favor to ask you before you go. If you love today's episode, I would so appreciate if you left a review on whatever podcast platform you are listening to right now. My goal with this podcast is to reach as many people as possible to spread awareness that anxiety is not this incurable disease. It's not something we just have to live with. It's definitely not just part of your personality, and there are body-based imbalances that need to be addressed in order to truly be free from chronic anxiety. With awareness comes action, and the more people this podcast can reach, the less people will struggle with anxiety. And positive reviews are the number one way to help new people discover the show. You are the best. Thank you so much for being here. I appreciate you so, so, so much.
One last thing. My legal medical disclaimer. The Breaking Up With Anxiety podcast with me, Taylor Jandro, is for general information and educational purposes only. And the advice and recommendations I give or my guests give throughout the episodes do not replace medical advice. The consumption of this podcast does not qualify as a practitioner-client relationship with me, and the use and implementation of the information discussed are at the sole discretion of the listener. Yes, I am a nutritionist, but I am not your nutritionist. So please discuss any changes with your primary healthcare provider. Okay, that's it. Until the next episode, bye for now.